must be like the wolf pack, not like six pack. Teamwork. Yes. Hello and welcome to another episode of There's No I In Podcast, a podcast about teams. Uh, it's a podcast about being in teams. It is a podcast about leading teams. It is a podcast about making the most and getting the most out of your teams. My name is Mark Johnson. I am a performance maker and a performance teacher, and I am joined, as always, on this quite a special occasion by my partner in pod, uh, sports coach and head of sport and co-curricular at our shared workplace, Sean Gallagher. Hello, Sean. Hello, Mark. How's it going? I'm good and I'm very excited. The reason why, we'll explain to the listeners, is this is not just an episode of There's No I In Podcast. It's something else. It is the 14th of February. It is Sunday. It is 4.18pm. And we, Sean, are live on the internet. You didn't tell me that, Mark. <laughs> sprung it on you but this is one for the brilliant ideas board sean i like the the title of our podcast there's no i in podcast but uh, and obviously it's a play on words with the the common phrase there's no i in team i I woke up in the middle of the night after a, a fever dream thinking there's no i in stream is even better pun because it rhymes. This episode, we have no guest and we are streaming live on the internet. This is a test run that we're going to put out as a podcast, but once we know that it works and we come up with a regular time to do it, we might start inviting you guys to listen to us live. It's a slightly different episode because of that, but it's also a slightly different episode because we have no guests. So it's going to be a little bit more chatty. Does that sound all right, Sean? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to bring all of my kind of professional entertainment skills to this episode, considering it's live. Just be my natural, charismatic and intellectual self, I guess. Well, Sean, if there's nothing else holding us back, let's get in to the episode. What have you been thinking about this week, Sean? So this week, first and foremost, we move into half term. So I am feeling like a rest is needed. Uh, (laughs) Absolutely. If anyone can see the video footage of of this podcast, we both have the bags packed under our eyes. We are looking at a, a bit of a state at the moment. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you know, everyone's working hard in, in their respective jobs at the moment. And it is it is a difficult time with, with regards to work. Some people are not working. Some people are furloughed. And I think that's even tougher from a, a mental point of view, because, you know, I do have a place to be and I do have people relying on me on a daily basis well, exactly. to, to do my job. And I think that from a kind of mental fortitude point of view, that is actually helpful but when you have been in front of a screen for a long time and I've been in front of a screen less than some of my colleagues so I can imagine that it is it is really tough um doing that solidly five days a week throughout the whole of this lockdown so is this you shaking really me for making for, you, for making you be on a, a on a podcast slash live stream on a screen on your day off <laughs> No, 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 no. This is uh, this is very enjoyable, Mark. Of always, always to get the opportunity to speak to you and uh, to put stuff out to 
to the people that do listen to us. So yeah, it's just um, looking forward to the rest. I say that, I think I'm going to try and get some kilometers in, uh, kind of cycling and, and running this week uh, if the weather doesn't go too Baltic which it has been. Um, and I know you've been pounding the streets as well, Mark, haven't you? Yeah, I've got to make sure I get uh, some exercise in. And uh, I said it before, I've got a new personal trainer. His name is Sean Gallagher, and he is making sure I am accountable for my actions. Uh, since we last chatted, Sean, the one sport I follow had its big final. The Super Bowl happened. And we've had little side bets on what the outcome might be or who's going to do well. Spoilers for anyone who doesn't follow American football, but Tampa Bay won the Super Bowl with Tom Brady, our boy, uh, as the main guy. What did you make of what did you make of the game and the result? Looking around kind of all the media outlets uh, before the game, there is so much hype around this game, obviously, and everyone has their opinions and uh, if anyone listens to Shannon and Skip, they will know they had different views on how this game would go. One, Shannon really thought that Mahomes would do the job and the flair would, uh, the flair and youth would come through. But for some of our older listeners, uh, it was actually the old boy, Mr. Tom Brady, who came through uh, with poise, uh, with precision, with clarity of communication. I've listened to the mic'd up stuff that they put out afterwards, and it's just so clear and concise as I say and you know the man is just Mr. Cool he's the ice man under pressure he done the simple things really really well and I think in any industry and in anything that you do doing the simple things well time after time will bring you more success than failure so yeah I did enjoy the game but it was a bit of a blowout to be honest Mark you know it's something I wanted to ask actually because uh, the question as to whether this guy could go to a new team and repeat his success was one that was going on and clearly yes he can what I wanted to ask is from what you were watching is it a case of him being better than everyone else and bringing that goodness to a new team you know carrying the team on his back or does he have some kind of skill or ability to elevate everyone what is it that he's doing because he's he's like you were saying, with the mic'd up stuff, we are hearing how he interacts with everyone. And yes, they recruited some new guys to come play with him, and that's great. But what's, what's, his, what's his magic? What, what, what works? I hate when people reply to questions like that and say both. Because um, it, it does sound like it. But it you're about sound... to say both, aren't you? <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say both because he... Over the years, he has really fine-tuned how he works as an athlete. And we all know he's not the greatest athlete, you know, on paper. Physical specimen, yeah. Phys physical specimen. If you asked him to do a 100-meter sprint, you might be waiting a while for him to complete it. But he's fine-tuned what he is good at. And what he's done really well, and what's really interesting from a leadership point of view, and again, you can look at this across all different industries, is... He has the magic that says I can do a thing and I can do it really well. And people will buy into that because it's tangible. If you turn up with six rings, you better listen to what I have to say. And I think the players around him who maybe haven't won things are bought into that. Then on top of that, he's a good guy. He wants to raise other people up around him. And then you have a real recipe 
for success. There's always luck involved, of course, on the day, but you have a real recipe for success. If people believe in the leader, they know the tangibles that he can provide, and then he's a nice guy on top of that, and he is going to push you to be the best that you can be, then I think you have a real leader. And again, as I said, I think you can look at that in all industries and take a lesson from that. It sounds like it sounds like you're describing it there that it just becomes one more of the fundamentals. Like, do you have the footwork? Do you can you make all the throws? Can you inspire people to be better than they were when you weren't there? That it's a fundamental that you can, I guess, learn and have to bring with you if you're going to be in this position of quarterback, which is an important one on the field, but also quite a fundamental one within the organization they are the face of a franchise they are the marketing they are the person that basically brings in the ticket money that gives them a really interesting status within the organization don't you think totally and you know as we move into the off season we're always looking for stories or the media are always looking for stories and the one that's kind of hitting the tabloids so to speak has anyone said tabloids for like 15 years since we've gone to hitting the interwebs the the interwebs god almighty how old am i um the ones that are hitting the kind of youtube you know people and nfl network etc is russell wilson with a kind of a kind of low blow towards the organization in terms of him not being protected as a quarterback and maybe he's someone that needs to be listened to a little bit more and i think i think everyone has that at some point in their career where they feel as though they know enough and they've done enough for an organization to be afforded their opinion in decisions that will affect their future moving on. And I think as he looks at the Bradys and as he looks at the Mahomes, he sees what these guys are doing and I don't think he wants to be left behind. And as I said, Mark is the NFL guy. He knows the ins and outs, the X and O's. I'm very much looking from this from an outsider. But the more that I'm delving into it and listening to to the experts, it seems as though he what he is the kind of poster boy or was the poster boy for his team, Seattle. But also he is a walking brand. You know, he has the pop star wife and I don't think he wants to let his brand die uh, fall by the wayside for continuing to get sacked over and over and over again in games of football. And just to bring it back to what you were talking about before, um, about this sense of leadership, I think that if you are being asked to communicate that to the players while you're playing, if those people above you if the or around you, the other you know, general manager, head coach, ownership, aren't putting their faith in you, that that's not going to trickle down. So it's something about Russell Wilson not just needing to get things working the way that he likes them working, but also for the players around him to see that he is part of management or part of the leadership or part of the kind of uh, the process there and not just another pleb or not being disrespected but, but, or not being devalued. Exactly. But, you know, there's always two sides to the coin. And a lot of people out there are saying, hang on a second, you don't own the football team. You don't run the day-to-day organization of it. The stuff that goes behind the scenes, the recruitment angle that goes on throughout the year that you play no part of, how much say do you want? And I think if we look into any industry, 
then it becomes about you know the ceo is doing this or the owner is doing this or my line manager is is has taken this decision you know why was i not informed why am i not included in that but sometimes maybe it becomes an ego thing which i've mentioned you know a billion times on on this podcast and maybe you don't get a choice in that matter or maybe you don't get a decision on that maybe that's something that you have to live with but i'm not sure it is a tough call uh, especially especially when so much money is at stake um this is turning into an nfl podcast and i don't know i d- i don't know if we're qualified enough for it to be the most nfl um but you did um i i know you did want to talk a little bit about college football as well yeah it's just i, I think as you said we're precariously close to this being, a, <laughs> to being an pure, nfl pure sports i need to get my uh, my dj air horn boo, 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 boo. exactly uh very close to becoming an nfl podcast but i do think that it you know these teams as an organization with the amount of people that are in them and how they run and how they move from city to city on a weekly basis etc there there is a lot i think you can learn um and there's there's a there's someone on LinkedIn that I follow uh, who's a director of sport, but he 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 found I think he stole something from someone uh, with regards to an article that basically was kind of comparing an NFL franchise to the education system and and you know and your school and looking at all the different moving parts and the cogs within it and how everything needs to kind of work together. Uh, in order to, to to be successful but yeah so another point I'd like to make is that football soccer to some people mm-hmm. is my sport and that's the sport that I love but I do think though it's really important to look outside of the sport that you love and look at something else and see if there's any learnings to be had and that's why I'm taking the opportunity with the NFL and because you have such in-depth knowledge Mark trying to kind of learn off of that and trying to look at uh, different aspects of the sport and I was just looking at um, Ohio State the, the college team, very successful yep. college team. Again, that Mark would be able to reel off a lot more numbers than I can. But it was I was watching them the other day and it was really interesting, just on our highlights reel on YouTube. And all of the players had stickers on their helmets. And I was trying to figure out what was this what this was all about. So I done a bit of research. And it's it's interesting. Kind of back in the day, one one of the coaches, I believe, just decided to award these stickers for, for good work, for a good job. You know, and that could be on the field. Or it could be in the locker room or it could be in the weights room or it could have just been around, you know, the the team. And you get to rack up all these stickers. And then I just saw it as such a visible way to reward these young players because, you know, they are young. They're not the NFL superstars yet because so many people go and watch their games and it's all live on TV. And so you can see who's kind of done loads of good work and you don't get a sticker if you lose a game. Uh, well at Ohio anyway you don't get a sticker for losing a game which I think brings an accountability and a kind of you know real world you know (laughs) we need to kind of win games here guys to be successful (laughs) and to keep that success going but I really like the visibility of it and I just thought I wonder if there is an angle to kind of look at that from a school perspective or from just a business perspective we spoke about ding-dongs before mark didn't we? yeah um take us through ding-dongs again well so the, the the idea and this was something that that we adapted a little after we were speaking to emma warren thomas and she was talking about how they would ring a bell when people uh made a big donation 
and everyone would cheer and that would be how we recognized the successes of us as a team. The adaptation we made was to introduce that into our workplace as a way to publicly shout out in a light touch, almost disposable, but visible way. We kind of go, hey, that was great. Well done. This is worth everyone knowing about. And it's also something that I tried to encourage in students. And the idea of getting a getting a well done sticker is, you know, in terms of academics and in terms of, of uh, school practice, not a strange one. You see it more in the younger age groups. But as someone Absolutely. who was as someone who was teaching uh, or leading this tutor group of, of 15, 16 year olds, the day I introduced uh, a, a physical sticker to go with their commendations or their house points, you notice just how important a tangible thing that they would then wear on their lanyard. They'd wear it around the necks. Uh, a tangible thing, being able to have an actual thing in recognition of your your success, but also one that was visible and that you could share with other people. Exactly. And I think sometimes, you know, we, as soon as we go into kind of the adult world, uh, adult working world, you know, those types of things can kind of fall by the wayside because, you know, we're grown ups. We don't need that. We don't. Oh, need yeah. That stickers are back. silly. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, let, let's be honest. I'm sure the bankers at HSBC aren't giving each other stickers. You know, one, they're getting bonuses. But two, <laughs> you can but, either but, have a bonus but, this year or we'll give you a dinosaur sticker. <laughs> that'd be quite fun, wouldn't it? <laughs> um, but. But point being is, you know, it needs to work for your organization and for your culture. And I think that that's another thing where once the culture is built and you feel solid in that culture, you can then celebrate, you know, what that culture looks like. But, you know, stickers for some would be, you know, ridiculous in a certain environment. A ding dong just wouldn't work somewhere else. You know, an all staff email wouldn't work somewhere so so you do need to know i think your people first in order to understand how to congratulate them but i did like a I, way well i know i'm gonna i'm gonna stop you there because i whilst i broadly agree with it i was massively surprised at how much the too cool for school 16 year olds took it on board or got excited about it so yes you That's have to true. know your environment but like don't underestimate the capacity for something small to be really really meaningful um we've spoken very briefly previously about the idea of the love languages which mm. which de- you know describe ways in which we feel appreciated and loved and the ways in which we show appreciation and love and for for some something like gift giving which is one of them it doesn't have to be a big gift it's not about the monetary value of the gift. It's about that someone gave you a gift. And he says on Valentine's Day, he, says, which oh, he definitely yes, got a very small gift for his partner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, d- I don't know if it qualifies it. as a subtweet if I'm, you're saying it to my face. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the idea, the idea that, this, that, that 15, 16 year olds wouldn't be interested in picking which dinosaur sticker they got was limiting to me ultimately because they 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 got on board with it and got excited by it in a way I hadn't expected at all no you're right and I think I think maybe that does 
debilitate me sometimes because I think before trying a thing, I almost want to like really check the temperature of the people I'm going to do this thing with or for um, rather than just do the thing. And maybe there's a lesson in that. But I just think from a visible, tangible kind of point of view in terms of recognition uh, and lots of schools do this. But I remember in my brother's school, uh, I went to a different school than my brother and, and he's younger than me. So I was able to kind of see see his kind of development throughout and you know it was a really good school but they they literally sewed on badges that were for academic for sport for citizenship um and so on your kind of lapel of your blazer you know as you moved through the years you would just have all of these different colored badges well, anyone so, who was a boy scout knows that feeling of, what, of being able to show with pride your achievement exactly exactly and and as i say go back to the too cool for school you know i do think that culture is in there a little bit because you know if you if if this was seen as uncool this is stitched into your blazer like your your parents have paid for this to be stitched into your blazer you're you're going on the bus on the tube into school every single day with this stuff on you that says oh you're really good at a thing but that has to be cool I yeah. think. And I think that the organization, the school, whatever it may be, needs to kind of embed that a little bit. And, you know, the Boy Scouts, you know, maybe not everyone wants to be a Boy Scout. Uh, know, we're not, so. not going to make you wear a, a, a cap around college, a bright pink cap, uh, because, you yeah. were good, because you were good at sport. Exactly. So there are there are kind of ways to do it, especially in 2021, when our young people are kind of so switched on way more than we would have been at their age, because they have all the information to everything that they need to, which isn't always a great thing, I think. Just I think to ground that off, it's just about tangible ways of recognition. Mm. Um, and I think that you know, people listening to this podcast who work in teams or run teams, I think maybe it's something to just look at and maybe ask yourself, how do I recognize my team members? Yeah. How do I recognize the people I work with? Is it tangible or is it just a conversation? Because, it, because Mark, there's people out there that love to receive an email from, you know, their kind of yeah. line uh, manager. Someone or saying, what, someone at the right level saying, good job is more important than getting a pay bump, <laughs> like intrinsically. Well, yeah, and I think there's research on that. I don't have that research to hand, but there's definitely um, a, a book I was reading there a while ago that had some actual evidence of of that mm. um, of 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 feeling worthwhile within the organisation was more important than you know that couple of uh, thousand pound extra on on your salary. Um, but uh, that's not to say, guys, don't go out there and get promotions and get your money because, you know, <laughs> make that <laughs> paper, everyone, make that cash. <laughs> but uh, but, yeah, no, just I think tangible ways of recognition is really important. And I think trying to find creative and innovative ways to do that uh, is something that maybe uh, we could look more into. I'm going to do one of these. Team. Yes. Just to, just to bookend that section and to invite a, a second one, which is I wanted to unpick something that happened this week. And I'd quite like uh, if the stream version of this, when it's just you and I chatting, whether that's something we could, we could think about doing. Because I had an, uh, an event I was organising or I was involved in organising this week. And by the time it got to the event, I, as someone who speaks weekly 
about collaboration and teamwork had manufactured or engineered the process to be so on my shoulders that I'd, I'd literally, I figure, excluded other people so that I was taking more and more on as the process built. Uh, that that it, that it came to a crunch point. I was, you know, I was feeling absolutely terrible and, and uh, right up until the point that I hit go on the thing and then I sat back and, and, and watched the event happen. But that's an, I find that's an interesting and quite worrying thing for me that as someone who understands team dynamics and, and explores it quite a lot, that I, that I was so prone to removing other people from the process and making it about one of the, one of the least collaborative things I've ever done when I could have been folding those people in. <laughs> and I don't know why, Sean, tell me why. <laughs> Goodness me. Such, do you know such what I mean a, though? Such a lot to unpack. Such a lot, lot to unpack. Um, no, I, I do. But I think, I think that there are so many podcasts out there if we look at the kind of self-help, uh, motivational, organizational kind of coaching, all of that kind of stuff, which I think we kind of cover in th- themes on our episodes. But at the end of the day, we're human beings and we don't always do exactly as we say or that we try to do and I just think that we need to recognize that we need to recognize that even though we think we know how to do a thing doesn't necessarily mean that that's exactly how we will do it and I think there are environmental factors in there that will change that situation uh, on any given you know uh, event that pops up in our lives Um, and we're not we're definitely not all perfect uh, and I don't think that we should kind of beat ourselves up on things but just from a learning point of view you know like you said you understand the importance of collaboration but maybe you didn't feel as though you had the right people around you to collaborate with and so you felt I know how to do a thing and so it's my duty and responsibility to get that done. I'm not sure. No, I'm there just, is there no, there is guessing. a couple. No, there's a couple of things there actually that I don't I don't I don't think you've hit the nail exactly on the head, but you're in the right ballpark. Um, there is a sense of if I don't know how to do a thing, and I don't know who the best person to do that thing is. So we've got a thing that, in my opinion or in my experience, no one knows how to do rather than go okay so let's all learn i'll go i'll i'll keep that for myself so that i'm not putting that on other people so that that doesn't become someone else's responsibility uh and that's an interesting thing because like as as amazing as i am as wonderful as i am as a human being and uh, employee you know i don't hold all of the knowledge of our workplace. I don't hold all of the experience in our workplace and actually I'd probably do better sending these things out. But And certainly at the moment, it doesn't feel like a kind act to go, to go fishing for who wants to do this job when everyone has so much going on and so much that they're managing that is invisible. It's, yeah, I'm not sure how many people are going to resonate with this point right now, but I feel as though the listeners will in in this lockdown situation it just feels different like if things were completely normal right now 
you'd probably not feel any way about asking your colleague, your peer to do a thing. If, it, if it's within their, you know, if it's within their job role. But as soon as you start to add in, you know, a lockdown that has on and off lasted a year, people are tired, people are frustrated, people are a bit clueless as to, you know, what the future is going to look like. And so everything seems bigger. In the in the exact same way that I was talking to students the other day about small wins, mm. like making sure you've showered, making sure you've had appropriate food and and water every day and not being on your screens for 12 hours a day. They are small wins that you can do every single day to feel a little bit better. On the flip side of that, a small task at work can feel huge in a lockdown situation. Exactly. Because if someone's got a family, if someone's living with three other housemates and their internet is shit and their neighbor's banging on the wall for some unknown reason during your Zoom meeting or your Teams meeting, as we like to use, or your Squadcast, sponsor mm-hmm. us squadcast um however your day may look like everything seems harder and so i think you're right you don't want to burden people as much as you would do potentially in normal times or lean on people yeah. as much as you would in normal times and i think there is something to that but i do genuinely think that like there is also a time sensitivity around this as well and i personally what i do badly as as someone who may try to lead a situation is I'll do it because I'll think I'll get it done quickest and how I want it to be done opposed to delegate that out to someone and then they have to kind of figure it out and maybe it's a bit slower and I think that there is a time sensitivity to that and this was a live event that you were that that you're talking about so I do think that that is an added pressure and I think it's all in the learning. Like I said, we go back to these sports organizations. There are hundreds of people within this staff that all need to be happy uh, or we need to try and keep happy uh, and we need to kind of keep the the kind of clogs going. Uh, and I think if everyone was trying to do their role completely by themselves every day, it just wouldn't work. So, yeah. so maybe I think it, it comes down to how we, how we, back to how we communicate our need in that way. And how we can make some, how we make things optional to our teammates, how we make make people aware that this is not me passing this on to you, but rather how we how we kind of refactor the process now that there's two of us or spread it out. Being explicit is something that, as a coach, in my experience, I do see as something of a strength of mine, and that explicit communication can sometimes put people off it can sometimes make people feel directness it can maybe put people off it can maybe make people feel a little bit like oh this is a bit strong but within a sports kind of framework time is really important you know the length of the game the length of training what time did you turn up we are using an external facility. So if we're 10 minutes late to the facility, we have 10 minutes less to train, right? So all of those things I think I need to be really direct about. Um, and because there's so many moving parts within a kind of sports team, you want to be really explicit and direct about what you're saying so that your players understand what you want from them. And the minute that that falls down is when you start to see kind of cracks within within that yeah. team. Players, not students, co-workers, yeah. cast members, all of, the, all of the groups that we're talking about. If, it's, if those expectations aren't 
laid down in a way that you've done the work of checking in that they're understandable, that they are able to be understood, not just that you've said what you think needs to happen. Exactly. But I mean, you know, like we all have, you know, we all have friends who are all in different kind of jobs uh, and roles and have different responsibilities and it's just you know it's really funny sometimes these things turn into memes where there's just really terrible email communication that goes back and forward and you know you get so frustrated because the thing you've asked kind of 10 times in 10 different ways is kind of translated in so many ways (laughs) that the person doesn't do what they you wanted them to do and uh and i think it's really important that don't don't always put the blame on the person that you've asked the thing of ask it of yourself yes have you been explicit enough about what you want so if you want help with a thing make sure someone knows you want help with that very very clearly if you want it to be a collaborative thing where you know there's 50 50 in 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 this situation make that clear you know we, we are two people running a podcast we knew very early on that for me to understand the production of of putting this stuff out would be a very slow process and it and to be honest with you isn't isn't the most joy that i would take from doing this podcast to edit this right and i know your joy is probably (laughs) slightly less after 39 episodes but it's still something that you are good at and can pick it up quite quickly right yeah i enjoy going out there and trying to kind of you know hunt you know with my spear for amazing guests to come onto the podcast and so i've kind of gone into that yeah. direction and we've had conversations about you right. know this is this is what i want to do with the editing this is this is a guest i'm thinking of getting on yeah yeah but that has to be you know we have to talk about that and we have to communicate that and we have to be quite explicit and direct about it do you want to record today what time can you record are you busy today does today work for you those things need to constantly be kind of nurtured and worked on in order for us to be successful in order for us to continue to enjoy what we're doing again should i have told you that we were going live today in advance then maybe (laughs) no no no. (laughs) i i knew this was live guys i was only only playing around but um but yeah so i just think when you i think the difficulty is that you know, let's take another sporting analogy. You know, you might be able to beat someone in any sport it may be in your position, 1v1, but can the kind of running back beat two and three players to get to the to, to the end yeah. zone? Can a footballer go down the wing and beat two or three defenders or can they just beat the one? So when you start to extrapolate out to an organization with hundreds of people in it, then that communication is really hard to keep clear yeah um a lot easier when it's two people yeah i do i the the lesson that i come back to again and again is one i learned when we when i joined the place that we work at the moment where we're dealing with a lot of people with english as a second language and my kind of i'm going to say impulse although it's a kind of a shameful one uh to assume a lack of understanding meant a lack of ability rather than a lack of language and you can be as clear as you want and as articulate as you want and as loud as you want. But if you're speaking in a different language, a language that they're not able to hear, then for us, that was literally, but, you know, also metaphorically, then it's on you that they don't understand because you haven't acknowledged that you need to deliver the message in a different way. And that is something that I think during this time, when everyone is 
kind of fight or flight on a lot of day to day because of how stressful the the whole experience is we might be talking in a way that we assume can be understood or received in a particular way and the reality is it's not going to happen like it's it's we're talking we're talking to people who aren't able to hear in a way that we expect and we need to be a little more thoughtful about it a little more deliberate about it and that's that's an interesting uh an interesting challenge at these times so there you go that's our first uh live stream there's no i in stream uh no i in podcast Sean, do I need to get a beep button uh, sound effect for the uh, the times that you swear? No, 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 no. We need to leave that in, Mark. That is, that's <laughs> it's real. Authentic it's authentic. As it comes. <laughs> yeah, um, this has been an interesting experiment and one that I kind of... Regret. I, no, not at all. I, I want to explore this a little bit more and I hope you've enjoyed it, Sean. I hope you found it... Uh, terrifying but fun mate I live off the cuff so this is just another day in paradise for Sean wicked well now the challenge for me is to say all of the things that I normally say at the end of the episode and time it so that it lands on the voice which I would normally edit that in so here we go Uh, we're really grateful for everyone for listening um, please do uh, send us any guest ideas or any uh, comments you have to at Podcast on Instagram or Twitter, or you can email us at uh, Mark or Sean at noipodcast.show. All that's left now is for me to say goodbye from Sean. Goodbye. And goodbye from me. Goodbye. You must be like the Wolfpack. Teamwork. Yes. <laughs>